0: of the Ideas Exchange presented by Annexpress Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Castleberry. This is the podcast. We're diving into marketing. We're diving into tech, talking about being a business owner, franchising, franchisors, entrepreneurship, name it, fit in between all that kind of stuff. We talk about that here on this podcast. And my guest today, very excited for this one, Mia. Mia, hello. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hello, hello. I'm super excited to be on. Um, just to give you a little bit about myself, uh, I come from a background of marketing, pretty much solidarity in marketing. I studied Mass Comm and uh, within the college experience, there was a crazy TV show that came to town and it blew my entire world up. Um, but fortunately, it has led me to meet Anthony, who is one of the franchisees of Inexpress, And that led me to meet Paul Casaberry. And I'm just super excited to be in the Inexpress network.
0: Yeah, we're we're super excited for you to be a part of the network. And you you had your you have your own gig going, right? You you kind of run your own business, helping out with marketing and things of that nature. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: I do. Yeah. So I started my own marketing company after some agency experience, and it's I've dabbled in a lot of things from personal branding all the way up to um, graphic design to social media management to the content creation professional and also social media style, meaning you go from this really high production type video all the way down to how do I train someone, uh, a state over or a country over in terms of how do I talk to the camera, how do I engage an audience, uh, and then I manage their social media for them. So that's kind of been the evolution of what I do. Uh, I've decided to work really closely with Anthony um, in terms of how do I build his LinkedIn page. And I think LinkedIn is definitely where I'm I'm seeing the most potential in in professional Mm -hmm. development. Uh, especially in this type of high business-to-business type industry, uh, so that's that's definitely what I'm focusing on. And yeah,
0: when Mia and I started working together, it it gets dangerous because I think you and I could really go down rabbit holes and talk about this kind of stuff for hours on end. But we don't have hours, so we gotta we gotta try to rein it in. And so when we were talking about topics, we we landed on this idea of organic marketing. And i did this really scientific uh research on this topic i simply typed in to google gods how to approach organic marketing and this is let me read this to you it says organic marketing involves growing your audience through non-paid efforts like social media posts a blog that improves your rank on search engine results or email marketing campaigns businesses use organic marketing as a cost-effective way to build a loyal audience so that's, that's like the, the thousand foot view of it, I think. But Mia, when we're talking about organic marketing, what, what comes to your mind?
1: When I, when I think of organic, and I think what comes to a lot of people's minds is pretty much free. When we say free, mm-hmm. it's the fact that you don't necessarily have to pay for it. Although because it's so labor intensive, you often need to hire some help. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what that is, is it's content creation, uh, whether it be textual like blogs, emails, or videos. Uh, using free platforms such as email or social media to attract an audience that you want to nurture and eventually sell to. Uh, The nice thing about inorganic marketing, meaning like the advertising that you're used to, whether it be traditional or digital, is you can pay to get in front of a buying audience. Like to some degree, there's an algorithm on the back end that can say, this is the person that is interested or has shown activity, proving that they're interested in your product or service. Um, whereas in organic marketing, you have to, when I say in organic, it sounds like I'm saying inorganic, but what I'm saying <laughs> in the sphere of organic marketing, yeah, yeah. Um, you really have to do the work to find that audience. The algorithm isn't going to automatically take you there. Um, and sometimes these are buyers that will be buyers in the future, but are not interested now. Mm. And so it's just a very long term process.
0: Yeah. And I, I, you and I kind of talked about this, uh, when you started working with Anthony and the inexpress network and, and a few others, we're, we're B2B. And as you've kind of uncovered B2B marketing, it's, it's tough. It's tough to go from, you know, business selling to another business or even doing any kind of organic marketing around that. But I know you have experience in that. What, what are your thoughts on, on B2B organic marketing? Cause I think it's a little bit different. Is that fair to say?
1: It is very different. And it's because, you know, for example, with with a normal influencer that's trying to sell jewelry or candles to Mm. the general public, you have a mass audience that can use and consume that product. But when we start looking at B2B services, we do have a very small target audience. There are fewer people that can utilize our services at the price point that we have because we saw such a especially in Express. They saw such a specialized problem that you really need to look at, um, like, for example, targeting uh manage like the shipping coordinators, the warehouse um supervisors, you had, there's fewer of those than there are people that need candles in their homes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think that at the end of the day, that that's what makes it more difficult.
0: Yeah. And so when when you're talking to B2B people or business owners that sell to other business owners, um a problem I run into is they all if I'm gonna throw down a couple of hundred bucks on something I'd better see that back in like a day's time, and it better be like doubled, right? That's that's not what we're talking about here. I don't think it's it's a long term process, right? Can can you dive into that a little bit further? Oh
1: my goodness, absolutely! Business owners are so—I mean, rightfully so—they're great business owners because they're sure. so focused on the bottom line. They are mm-hmm. ROI obsessed. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to that nurturing, that life cycle of Trying to attract the people who could use your service in the future, but just aren't ready, it does take a lot of patience and it does take a lot of investment that people just can't wrap their brain around because you're right—they're not going to get an immediate profit because of it. Um, but what it turns into is, um, for example, I was talking to to Anthony today about how, for example, big brands like Chewy, um, like they, or even like there's like a diaper company—I can't remember what it was named—but Basically, they can invest a ton of money into the infrastructure. They've got warehouses. They've got a ton of things, but they're actually not, at the end of the day, profitable. Mm. And the reason why they do it is because they're thinking about the long game. They're thinking about acquisitions. They're thinking about um, the, the market share that they need to take away from the giants to eventually become profitable. And so what we're what we're trying to create is an asset that is going to serve us long term for the long play. So even if we don't get profit right now, how can I make sure that... 10 years, five years, three years down the line, uh, I'm still relevant. I still have a large audience base that I can nurture and even sell um, a various, like a diversified product list. So for example, a lot of business owners will think of, I just provide shipping solutions, <laughs> right? Yeah. But then you have to think about, okay, well, how can I start maybe educating small business owners between that peak frame when maybe they're not ready to blow up their shipping, but they still need some minor resources just to get them to that point of okay now i can invest in mm. in help so that's you trying to buy yourself time and help other people get to that point to be successful because those people once they hit that little peak they'll be able to invest in you yeah. if that makes any sense i feel like i'm it does
0: yeah no it kind of it kind of sounds like we're dipping into the brand value discussion a little bit where um you know i've i love the definition of brand value as it's it's an asset and if you're not uh investing into that asset, it devalues over time and it's not worth a whole lot. I mean, is that is that kind of where your headspace is at too?
1: Absolutely, because it's it's a matter of, I mean, like this is again when we when we talk about organic versus inorganic marketing, the inorganic, the the timely sales, meaning between January 1st and January 25th, we have this sale going on. All that creative, all of that advertising dies the minute you decide to stop investing in it. So then when you say, I'm going to cut the ad, the ad does nothing for you. That creative that is specifically for that time frame does nothing for you after the time frame unless you redesign it. Whereas the organic marketing that is 100% useful, no matter what time, season or year it is, is always going to provide value to a consumer. Meaning they're always going to attract people 10 years down the line.
0: Mm.
1: Um, so it's definitely that brand value because it, it's a brand asset that does not have a limit to it
0: yeah, it doesn't devalue over time. It only increases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I have a really hard time. Uh, I shouldn't say I have a hard time. I think the people I talk to uh, when we're when we're having this discussion have a hard time wrapping their head around investing now and in creating something that probably won't produce a year or even two years down the road. Do you run into that problem? How do, you, how do you get over that hump? Or what do you tell people?
1: You know, it's hard because you know being the marketer, I'm never the one having to put that investment in, right? I mean, yeah. to some degree, I do it for my own business to attract the clientele. Um, but what it does come down to is I try to advise a client based on the size of their business. If you are so small that um, you need leads right away to make the business work and you need it to continue to turn to survive, at that point in time, go into the direct marketing lead generation strategies. There's no point in you investing in that second tier of nurturing, uh, brand building, legacy building. There's there's just no money for that. Your goal is mm-hmm. to make enough sales, create a system that kind of passively works in your favor so that eventually you have the time and money to invest in organic marketing. Mm-hmm. Um And then if I find that business who is the right size, who does have a good flow of business, but now they're trying to maybe scale their products again, like diversify the services they provide or automate certain things or um, build a brand that creates enough visibility to do all those things. That's Mm -hmm. when organic marketing makes sense. So I don't try to change someone's mind when they can't make that long term investment work. Mm -hmm. I try to appeal to the desire to be something bigger than you are now when they are ready to invest in that.
0: That's a great way of putting it. But Mia, I want that Super Bowl ad on <laughs> the water budget. So get me that, right? Like how many times have we run into that problem? Absolutely. It's, I mean,
1: yeah, it's, I mean, even it happens in the agency world, right? It's just a yeah. matter of, um, yeah, there's no solution to that. I wish I
0: had there's solve that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's a brick wall. Um, you were you were kind of hinting uh, at something that I picked up on, and that is figuring out the right time to take the next step. I'm I'm a big proponent of that as well. I when I talk to people, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm just starting out. I've only been at it for a few years. I think I'm ready to take that next step and, and start doing those other things that we talk about." How do you determine that, or how do you help your clients determine that? What's your process there?
1: Well, you know, I I have an example, for example, someone who is just now thinking about launching a program, I said, don't even I think the mistake that a lot of business owners make is they like to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, you know, Mm. they'll and sometimes they'll be investing in pamphlets, traditional media, digital media, OTT, and none of like they won't know and they're not tracking what's working and what's not working. So my normal suggestion for someone trying to figure out what phase of the business they're in is first really mapping out their budget. Like not just accepting the next sale that comes to your door, knocking, saying, hey, we can sell you this type of marketing and just saying, well, if it makes me money, I'll invest in it. No, 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 (laughs) don't do that. Instead, really like ahead of the year, map out how much money am I willing to invest in marketing? I think the general percent is what like 5% of gross sales is like the average and then 10% is the ideal. Is that? Yeah,
0: Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, somewhere in there. We'll go with that.
1: Look, there's, a, there's a range between 5 and 10% of your gross sales, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you want to project your gross sales for the year, then actually pull like create a pool of money that you want to invest in marketing, and then you want to prioritize, okay, what are all the things that I want to test and invest in? Like, for example, the client that I was working with, they want to do funnels, they want to create, they don't even have a website yet, so they need to build a website. Then they're thinking about how, if I create a funnel, you have to advertise to get that funnel in mm. front of people. And so I, I wouldn't say, um, invest in me to create social media content when you don't have a website, when you don't have this, when you don't have that, when you need to invest in that. So what I would say is you create that pool of money, you make a list of all the marketing things that you're interested in, you prioritize them based on what's right for your business and what results you need first. So if your first priority is, I need leads so that I can start making phone calls, you invest in the lead generation first. And then if you have spare money because that's generating you cash flow, then you prioritize the next thing, which might be brand building, might be like nurturing, which might be social media or, um, like ads in your local area, whatever that may look like. And you go from there. Like you, you just have to kind of, unfortunately, like marketing, even like I have a habit of this is making it so complicated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The best thing you can do is just prioritize and hit one thing at a time and start testing and start tracking. However, you can.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you can't spend money unless you have it. So you got to go make it to spend it, right? In, in all the different clients you've worked with and all that kind of stuff, what what have you seen as like one of the biggest stumbling blocks when it comes to organic marketing or or B two B organic marketing, wherever we want to? What's what's been the roadblock for a lot of people?
1: Well, I think I want to believe that Inexpress is a little bit different on the outside. Uh, what I see is like I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that have a lot going on and entrepreneurs have this innate thing where they have their main hustle, but they have so many side hustles because they're entrepreneurs and they have so many hobbies, like they're they're mindset gurus, they're sale gurus, there's their health gurus all at the same time and they want to talk about all of it. Mm -hmm. When it comes to organic marketing, and I think you could speak to this too when it comes down to really trending on on YouTube or really like finding your target audience and building that community – is you almost have to start with a little bit of tunnel vision. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't be inauthentic to who you are and not like, because a lot of people, once they start limiting themselves to a single topic, they feel like, well, this isn't me. This is my social media. This is my Instagram. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to talk about all the things I care about. And I have a habit of this as well. But when you're when you're really trying to sell B2B and you're trying to build an audience that's very focused on the service that you provide, you have to keep your content focused Um, and that means you like and the minute they decide to do that again at least so this domino effect is like okay i'm gonna make this social media focused on my business but then they're like well i want to create my own personal social media where i talk about all my other hobbies and then they get this <laughs> overload because at yeah. the end of the day you can only handle so much social media is not your job because you're as an entrepreneur your job is to make sales make money manage and lead and so then when you start uh, taking on the big task of trying to build a social media presence plus trying to do that on six different platforms, six different accounts, <laughs> two different accounts, is just too much. Yeah. So the biggest roadblock and the biggest solution is to choose one platform or two platforms and be very centered and specific about the content and do not deviate at least for the next, I would say even year, commit to one topic for one year for one to two platforms and let that go. Like, just be the best at that to start.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't shotgun blast it. And that's something you and I have talked about a lot in the mm-hmm. past is people want to go out there. It's like, I got to do TikTok, I got to do Twitter. I got to do YouTube. I got to do LinkedIn. I got to do Facebook. Like, hold on, pump the break. No pick one or two be the best at those. Like you said, I, I, I love that. Um, you know, organic marketing at the start, we were talking about social media posts. We've talked about it up to this point, blogs, email marketing, all all the stuff that can go into organic marketing. Where does somebody start? What's the best place to start when when they're diving into this?
1: I think it it starts with what comes most natural to you and what you enjoy most. Mm. The minute it becomes a chore. And like, for example, like there's people who want to make video content, but they hate being on camera. There's going to like, you don't, in the beginning to start, you don't even love the process. And it's very taxing. It takes a lot of time and energy. And so if you already hate the process, it takes a lot of time. You're more likely going to fail at doing it long-term. And long-term, as we started with this, is it's the name of the game. You have to do it for long enough for it to be successful. So um, some people don't like being on camera. So I'd say start with the blog. Start with really studying SEO terms. What are people searching related to your industry? And start there. And believe it or not, as you start curating blogs and really thinking about the structure of those blogs and finding trending topics. It translates really well into video so that when you're ready to start filming, you already have the blueprint. Every single blog that you've ever written is the blueprint for your video whenever you're ready to do that. So start if you're if you're less comfortable with writing and you're super like you have a huge personality on camera, start there. So it's just it depends on your personality, really.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I I love that. If it's a task, you're going to burn out and fade out really quick. And you're going to say, yeah, Forget this. I'm just going to go find leads and call them, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Mio, again, we could talk for hours about this. It's something I know you're extremely passionate about. I'm passionate about it. But we're coming up to the end of our time together. So I want to leave it open-ended. Any other closing thoughts or bits of advice you want to throw out there on on this topic?
1: Mm. I would say uh, there. there's one lesson that I, I got from a masterclass not long ago. And they said make content about what you love like what's what's something that you could talk about for hours and not make a penny on so i know we're talking about organic marketing in the sense of inexpress and and gaining business from it Mm. but really as you start looking at that as a major component of your business like i said it's going to be taxing it's it's a it's just takes a lot of time. So it kind of almost just like working out, just like eating right, it needs to become part of your lifestyle or it's not going to happen. Like Mm -hmm. I'm in social media and I still cannot consistently get my own content under control just because we get so busy working on our business or trying to do the things that matter most, which is making money, making sales, taking care of our clients. So your business content is not going to survive unless you've already standardized a lifestyle, meaning it, you fit in um, a video at this specific time every single week. I'm going to sit down on a Wednesday night and film my video. And that's now part of my weekly routine.
0: Mm.
1: If you cannot figure that, it's just it's just not gonna work.
0: <laughs> Go back to bed. <laughs> Go back to well, bed. yeah, awesome way to end that. Um, I always love ending these with a random question. So throwing this at you, what has been your favorite campaign that either you've worked on or you have seen out in the space?
1: Oh gosh, <laughs> I feel like I oh, man, I, that's, that's a lot. Let me think.
0: Is that is that kind of like asking uh, uh, you know a mom or a dad who's your favorite child?
1: Kind of, yeah, <laughs> or, 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 yeah. So I would say I worked on a lot of fun stuff, but my favorite ones are the ones that you know, like. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference the one that I think a lot of people have noticed, which is uh, was it the last Super Bowl when there was that uh, cryptocurrency? thing just bouncing it was a QR code that bounced across the screen yes and the reason why I love that is because sometimes the simplest solutions um are the best meaning like a lot of people spend thousands millions of dollars on a Super Bowl commercial and then this cryptocurrency wallet had this crazy idea to put pretty much no budget like slap a you know a generated QR code make it bounce around the screen and then at the end just like end up in the corner to create this like Social media um, phenomenon where people across the entire U- United States were posting videos of the reactions when it finally hit that corner. Not to mention, um, when we talk about video or like commercials on TV, you are it's really hard to track the ROI, the actual conversion rate, because if someone sees it on TV, they might check out the website days later, or it might just be an impression mm-hmm. that sticks in their brain and then maybe they see another commercial and they act on it. So there's no way for you to know the exact impact of that one commercial. But what that commercial managed to do in this scenario was literally like they could track every single time someone scanned that QR code to visit their website. And so I just, I love those like um, anti-cultural, like the the outside the box type content or commercial I love it.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I think that one was absolutely brilliant. Mia, thank you so much for your time, your thoughts on this subject make a plug for yourself. How can people get in touch with you if they want to check out what you're doing? Make that plug.
1: All right. Well, to the N Express Network, I will be there at the conference. So I can't wait to see you guys there. Also, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Mia Gilbertson. And uh, that, that'll that pretty much do. Or you can call me at 719-320-8557.
0: Get ready for all the phone calls. They're coming. Mia, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much, Paul.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Ideas Exchange podcast presented by InExpress. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to show us some love and support, please share it out with others on social media or leave us a rating and review. If you want to know more about what InExpress is, visit inexpress.com to find out what they do and how they can help you and your business. That's I-N-X-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Thank you so much and we will catch you in the next episode.